if I'm not succeeding as an entrepreneur, it's probably one of two things. It's either my business model sucks or I'm not putting in the effort or I'm doing something wrong from a personal standpoint that is hindering or limiting my success in the entrepreneurial world. Welcome to Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals, the show that teaches you and other busy pros how to grow your wealth so you can live life on your own terms. I'm your host, Taylor Lote. Our guest today is Jeet Banerjee. Jeet is a 25-year-old serial entrepreneur, a TEDx speaker, and a digital marketing consultant. He began his entrepreneurial career at the age of 17 and since then has launched over 10 businesses, has sold two companies for a profit, and has grown numerous other companies. Currently, he speaks at events all over the world and helps other entrepreneurs get their dreams kicked off. So, G, thank you for joining us today and joining our tribe of mentors here to borrow from another speaker. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks so much for having me. It's a pleasure to be here. So you've been through all of these businesses, and I asked you before we got started recording, what inspired you? I mean, you're a super young man, and you got started even younger when most people have no clue what they're going to do. You got started at 17. What sparked this entrepreneurial spirit of yours? Yeah, absolutely. So I just kind of really grew up in like a traditional family and a traditional household. So like when I was 15 years old, my dad just came barging into my room one morning and he was just like, hey, I've been doing a lot of thinking and I think you need to go get a job if you want the latest video games or you want to go to the movies with your friends or whatever it is. And he was just like, I'll pay for the bare necessities such as, you know, a roof over my house and clothes and food and all that good stuff. So as any 15 year old, I was super bummed out. And I just started applying to a bunch of different jobs after school to earn some pocket money. And I pretty much over the next two years, pretty much held like any minimum wage job that a teenager could get. So anything from like door to door sales, telemarketing, cleaning floors, tutoring, assistant, blah, 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 did almost every single job. And one thing just kept happening over and over again. I kept getting fired or quitting from every single job. And I held like 12 different jobs in a span of two years, which was just something like unheard of, you know, especially for someone working 10 hours a week. And so my senior year of high school rolled around, I turned 17. And now I, it kind of hit me like, hey, I'm supposed to apply to college. And my whole plan in life was get a business degree, work a corporate nine to five, and everything was going to be great. But here I was unable to work 10 hours a week. And I really became like terrified of the idea of having to do that for the rest of my life. And I kind of made like this conscious decision where I was like, man, I'm never going to work for anyone ever just because it purely sucks. Right. And so at 17, I was like, man, I got to do something right now to prove to myself that I don't need a job ever again. And I just kind of set out and made the decision to be an entrepreneur and work for myself. Wow. So now you're, you know, fast forward, what's that? Eight years till now. And you're helping other entrepreneurs get their dreams kicked off. You've sold multiple companies in that span of time. And you're essentially broadening your and spreading your knowledge and your experience. So what are you working on these days? And what can we learn from you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So one of the biggest projects that I'm working on that kind of aligns with my passion right now, which is kind of like helping other entrepreneurs kind of get jump started and stuff like that is a company called the Income Incubator. And kind of what I do with that business is it's kind of a academy almost like an alternative to college where we just teach people instead of, you know, instead of just really handing them like a degree or like a piece of paper when they're done, it's more so giving people actual tangible like skills or actual tangible knowledge that they can almost implement immediately. So I teach them like seven different business models that I've had a lot of success with over the years. And I just show them 
how they can replicate it and, you know, find their own products or find their own mobile apps to create or whatever it is that they're interested in. And so that's like one of my biggest passion projects right now. And I'm really just kind of locked in in the mode of, you know, trying to give back because when I started out as an entrepreneur, there was a lot of other entrepreneurs before me, you know, that were there answering questions for me, offering mentorship, providing courses, videos, and all this great material that, you know, enabled someone like me to achieve success. And so I kind of want to pave the way and give others the same opportunities, you know, that was once given to me. I love that. You know, I, I hear from a lot of very successful entrepreneurs who have been so successful, sold multiple companies, and now their basic needs plus are taken care of essentially for the rest of their life. As long as they don't make any stupid moves, they're never going to have to worry about money again. And they figure out pretty quickly that that's not a fulfilling life. So they decide to give back in some way. And so I think this is a, a great way for you to give back to the rest of us. And I'm really excited to bring some of your ideas to our audience. You know, and I think especially these days, uh, Gary Vaynerchuk talks a lot about it. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. It's kind of the hot thing right now. And he believes most people aren't cut out for it. What do you think about that? Yeah, absolutely. I definitely uh, do agree with it. I think like from the outside looking in for a lot of people, people think entrepreneurship is extremely easy and it's just something, you know, they can just kind of add a label and then a couple of days later, just start a business and everything's going to be rainbows and flowers. And one of the biggest things that I tell a lot of people as well that kind of go through the process is before I even take them through the process of, you know, helping them create a business, I try to make sure that their mindset and, you know, like their essentially like their work ethic is kind of up to par to be successful as an entrepreneur, you know, like the biggest thing that I tell people is, or I ask people oftentimes that tell me, Hey, I think I want to be an entrepreneur is like, Hey, how many, or how long are you willing to work a hundred hours a week for without receiving a dime? And the answer to that question oftentimes tells me more than I can ever know about somebody in terms of whether they'll be a successful entrepreneur or not. You know, a lot of people are like, Oh man, a hundred hours. Like, no, I can't do more than 40. Or some people will be like, oh, well, I need to start getting paid within like two weeks. That's my limit. And if you think like that, it's very tough to become an entrepreneur and be successful because whether it's me or whether it's a lot of the other very, very successful entrepreneurs that are out there, some of us have been through it all, like been through the ringers without getting paid, falling flat on our butts over and over, facing challenges, going through failures. And it sometimes took years. And for I know others, sometimes it took them like decades before they ever saw any sort of, you know, whether it's monetary success or just success in general. So I definitely think it's something that's for the very few, but it has become appealing to the many. But I think as people go through the process of becoming an entrepreneur, you quickly kind of weed out the ones that aren't cut out for it. That makes a lot of sense. So, you know, the title of the show is Passive Wealth Strategies for Busy Professionals. But in reality, we all know that there is no such thing as passive income or passive wealth, 100%. You have to put some work in. And you're talking about 100 hours a week for years on end. And if you're looking to accomplish big things, and that sounds like a very, essentially a reasonable proposition, you have to put the work in to make it happen. And then you can turn it off and things will become passive. So from your opinion, once we're, you know, we're actually putting in those 100 hour, hours a week without getting paid, but We've been doing this for months or we're past year two, year three, and we're not getting paid yet. At what point do we say, maybe I've got the wrong thing here or maybe I'm not the guy for the job? You know, Maybe I'm crazy. What do you think about that? 
Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, I think it's absolutely a case of like, all, whenever I've created a business model, my idea that's kind of enabled me to launch all the businesses that I have is I always try to fail fast if I'm going to fail. Because to me, it's like, why fail in a year if I can do it in 30 days, right? So whenever I try to launch a business, I try to really, really quickly validate whether it's a successful business model or not. And I try to tell people this all the time. Like, if you launch a new business and you put some marketing in place and you do all the right things that you think you're doing, and nobody is biting, then you've got a big problem with your business model, right? Something isn't right somewhere. And it's just almost insanity to keep trying to do the same thing or keep trying to take the same business model and over and over find different ways to promote it or find different people to sell it to or whatever it is. Because from my experience, every business that's ever been like a rock star hit for me has always kind of like, as soon as I push it out to the public, I'm either getting sales or I'm getting engagement or I'm getting some kind of metric that tells me like, man, this is exciting. People are interested in it. So for me, I like to tell people is A, you got to fail fast and do it really quickly. And B, if you're failing fast and you're kind of, for me, it's always like, if I'm not succeeding as an entrepreneur, it's probably one of two things. It's either my business model sucks or I'm not putting in the effort or I'm doing something wrong from a personal standpoint that is hindering or limiting my success in the entrepreneurial world. And if you kind of assess both of those things, and you're constantly, you know, focusing on changing and improving and kind of tweaking both models constantly as you go through the process, I feel like anybody can be successful. But if you're kind of having a hard time being able to reflect or kind of stop yourself and being really critical of either of those things, then it might be a time to, you know, put the white flag in or, you know, uh, throw the towel in just because if you can't be your own hardest critic, when things aren't going right, then it's going to be extremely tough for you to be successful as an entrepreneur because you don't have bosses, you don't have colleagues. You really don't have anyone else that's going to, you know, kind of give you the cold hard truth. So you've kind of got to be that voice in your head that tells you that all the time. I really appreciate that you dialed it down to either the business plan sucks or I'm not putting in the work. I'm not doing the the work properly or there's something about my implementation of the business plan. It kind of falls into either one of those. And, And many of us listeners and myself included, you know, we're pursuing real estate as part of our strategy in terms of wealth generation. And for the most part, this stuff is defined. It's been done by others in the past for, you know, in different models for hundreds of years. It's just changed over time. The financing structures have changed over time, but people have been making money from real estate pretty much as long as money has existed and property ownership has existed. So I think that that second component of really taking responsibility for the results is so important too. You know, you might feel like you've been putting in a hundred hours a week, but has your psychology really been in the right place to set you up for that success? Do you get into anything that, you know, maybe a Tony Robbins style type of success mentality? Is that part of your formula at all? Are you an adherent of any of that information? Yeah, a little bit. Like I feel like, see, like one of the biggest things that I kind of look at is like, because one of the things I said earlier is about like the 100 hour thing. And I would just to be clear with everyone, I want to mention one thing is that, you know, sometimes a lot of people tell me like, hey, I've been working so much day to night. I've been doing everything that you told me in terms of the hours. And for me, sometimes hours isn't necessarily the best measurement of productivity. Because like, I know some people like just within my businesses and the culture that we put in within it, you know, my employees don't necessarily have like set schedules. It's like, hey, we need to get X, Y, Z done today. If you get it done in two hours and it's done right and it's done well, you can go home and you can do whatever you want. Or person B might take 10 hours to do it the right way. But to me, it's like time isn't necessarily always like the best measurement of productivity or what's being done. Like if you can launch 
a multi-million dollar business by working five hours a week, for example, more power to you. Like that is amazing. Not everyone can do that, but that doesn't necessarily mean you're a failure because you're not achieving that hundred hour goal and vice versa. Someone working hundred hours a week may not be putting their time and effort and all that attention in the right place. So I think it's a lot also about like finding different ways to measure the productivity that kind of goes in it. And in terms of like my success mindset and stuff like that, to me, it's just like, it's not always about how much I'm working, but like kind of what I'm working towards and like the measurable goals or results that I'm seeing from the work that I put in. Hmm, Okay. So how do you, you know, in this new model that you're pursuing in educating people and how to get their entrepreneurial dreams kicked off, how are you, are you doing any filtering of these people to qualify them for whether or not they're willing to, you know, you said um, time isn't necessarily the best indicator, but whether they're willing to put the hundred hours in and then focus on being effective with their hundred hours and really essentially get the work done one way or another and not just goof off for a hundred hours a week and pretend they're actually working and being productive. How do you screen them? I'm interested to hear your process for your eye for figuring out whether or not someone's got the it factor to be a successful entrepreneur. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, the first thing that we kind of do within our academy itself is we've kind of got like an application process. So we have them kind of like fill out a bunch of different questions that we kind of ask them because it's not just like open to the public where anyone can just walk in, sign up and, you know, start joining the academy. We really want to have really serious and committed people that are part of it. So we always have these people, the students come in, fill out a form. We kind of screen that. My team and I will screen that form. And then if we have any doubts or certain questions that we want to ask them, we'll kind of shoot those questions towards them. But overall, basically, the biggest thing that we look for in in terms of that is like, what kind of mindset do they have, you know? So we try to put them in situations or ask them questions that are kind of similar to the challenges that you'll face as an entrepreneur, but maybe not, you know, putting it in the exact words of being an entrepreneur. So, you know, asking them a question like, hey, when the last time when you faced a challenge, what did you do? Or the last time you dealt with a problem, and you couldn't find a solution to it, what did you do, right? And so a lot of those answers tell us a lot of things because a lot of people will be like, oh, well, I had a problem and, you know, I just got frustrated and I just, you know, I just kind of ignored it eventually until it went away. Or other people might be like, man, I did a lot of research. I try to look online. I try to even think of potential ways that I could solve that problem because I'm sure if I was dealing with it, other people were dealing with it. And those kind of like answers give us a lot of indication because, you know, entrepreneurs, as entrepreneurs, we're constantly running into problems, dilemmas and challenges. And for us, it's not like, oh, man, we're just going to give up or we're just going to stop and turn the other way. It's like, okay, if there's an obstacle in our way to get to where we need to go, how do we get around it? Or how do we climb that obstacle? Or what solutions can we create? So I feel like from getting like a basic questionnaire from a student, we can really quickly tell, you know, who's kind of already ready for that entrepreneurial mindset and ready to rock and roll and who may not be ready at that moment and may need to kind of, you know, continue working on themselves to develop the right mindset and the right work ethic and the right approach before they can be ready to start a company. I really appreciate that you, as you were answering the question, you said essentially the obstacle is a way you kind of alluded to that concept. I, I thought that was a fantastic book that really showed some of these and reflected some of these ideas that you're mentioning right now is that you know, if there's an obstacle there, you have to find a way to deal with it to be an effective entrepreneur or an effective and successful leader in any type of business. Yeah, absolutely. Do you look for, you know, as far as background, I mean, are you primarily dealing with, you know, you say, I'm a millennial, so I'm not going to give the millennials a hard time. But are you finding that, 
you know, folks on the millennials to Gen Z, you know, they're really the ones that are interested in being entrepreneurs the most. Are you reaching all the way up into folks in their, I shouldn't say all the way up, but some of the maybe a little bit older generations, 30s, 40s, 50s that are coming to learn from you? What's the landscape of the entrepreneurial education? Yeah, absolutely. Um, when it comes to, I think, my academy and kind of stuff that we do here, I think majority of our audience, maybe like 85 to 90% is kind of under that like 30 to 35 range. And I think that's particularly because probably because I'm like on the younger side, you know, I'm 25 years old. So maybe more people feel comfortable or kind of relate more to my teaching methods and the way that I approach things and stuff like that. But I definitely do have some students, you know, that are well past 35, you know, maybe some of them that are a little bit older, stuff like that. And then I've even had some students, you know, I think a couple of weeks back, we had a student that was super interested in entrepreneurship, was a great candidate. And I think she was like 15 years old or 14 turning 15, something crazy. And, you know, her parents were super excited because they thought she was a great candidate. And then I talked to her and I thought she was amazing. So I definitely do see a wide spectrum in the age category. But for the majority of it, I've seen under that 30 to 35 range. Interesting. So we're going to take a quick break for our sponsor. What is the best investment you've ever made? I think the best investment that I have ever made personally was in in terms of educating myself. It's an interesting question, but the best way I could kind of share my answer on that is when I made the decision to become an entrepreneur, I literally knew nothing. And I kind of had two options, essentially, when I hit roadblocks and obstacles, A, being just giving up, or B, was spending money to learn those things, whether it's, you know, learning how to do my accounting or my taxes or how to hire people or how to develop a good culture within the business. And I always just looked for different resources, you know, whether it was taking courses from other people or buying books or doing all these things. And I've just been an avid, avid person that loves gobbling up as much knowledge as I can. And I think that's really what's enabled me to achieve a lot of the success that I have is just, you know, taking perspectives from people from all different ranges, whether it's sports or music or business itself, and just consuming all the material and the content that they create. So I think the best investment I've ever really made is, you know, just educating myself to learn from a variety of different people. Awesome. I love that answer. Education is so important and there's so much to be learned out there. And when it comes to business, man, I don't know about your school experience. I learned nothing about business in, you know, especially high school and earlier, but certainly not in college. So I had a lot of catch up to do and I still do. So great thing to learn that you've been able to find out all the information you need to grow your business by being educated. How about what is the worst investment you've ever made? The worst investment that I've probably made is when I was like maybe 21, I started selling, a, I sold my first company. And so I decided that, you know what, I was just going to be like a part-time on the side, like an angel investor. So I started taking people, just throwing me ideas. And the worst investment that I probably ever made was thinking that I had the skills to be an investor and to be able to invest in a couple companies. So I ended up investing in a couple companies without really having any clue of, you know, what it took to be an investor and how to play that role and how to properly judge, you know, concepts and businesses and things like that. And so I ended up losing quite a good chunk of money doing that, but it was a valuable lesson. Mm, yeah, you can make the money back later. So the lesson is the valuable part there. How about what is the most important lesson you've learned in investing? Maybe we've already answered that. 
Yeah, absolutely. Probably the most important lesson that I learned in investing is never invest in something that you really don't know about. And so one of the biggest reasons why I lost a lot of money investing in the companies that I kind of mentioned earlier, where, you know, like I invested in like a biotech company and like a company that was doing some like high level, like server stuff. And I really never knew anything about those industries or those niches. So for me, it was just like, hey, this guy's telling me something about an industry or niche I don't know about, but it sounds like a great idea. And he sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And he really did a good job of selling me. And so I ended up investing in them. And then later on, as problems and things arose, I myself didn't really know what was going on because I was so uneducated and uninvolved in those like industries and niches. And so the biggest piece of advice I can give people is like, people are always going to give you like crazy tips. Like you go online and you'll see on forums and stuff, people be like, oh my God, go and buy this crypto coin or go and invest in this stock right now. And I see so many people, whether it's like friends and family of my own that I know, that'll just blindly invest in something without any clue. And the biggest thing that I've learned over the years is if you don't know about it and you're not heavily, heavily educated in it, don't invest blindly because you're not going to know what's going on when you do. Absolutely. I love that you mentioned cryptos, especially, you know, we're kind of past the peak, which happened, you know, in 18, but I had so many people coming to me saying, Hey, I've got this awesome coin. You should really buy some. And and I'm sure I'm not alone in that. There's so many people more wealthy than me were getting approached with these huge quote unquote opportunities to buy into these coins that ended up being just total vaporware or scams or have gone completely to nothing. And and a lot of people were taken for a lot of money because it, you know that particular industry didn't even exist before. So I don't think anybody can credibly really say they understand the crypto market, but I don't mean to go off on a tangent. So how can our listeners get in touch with you? Absolutely. Probably the best way to get in touch with me is through my personal website, which is uh, jeetbanerjee.com, my first and last name spelled J-E-E-T. B-A-N-E-R-J-E-E.com. And it's got my social media links, email, blog, all the stuff I've done over the past few years. So people can feel free to uh, kind of parouse and get in touch with me however they wish. Awesome. So do you have any parting pieces of advice, wisdom, or guidance from your specific area of experience that would relate to our listeners as they work on generating their multiple streams of income and building that passive wealth generation that they're really seeking? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think the biggest piece of advice that I can probably give to somebody that's kind of thinking that way already is really along the lines of the concept of really working smarter, not harder. So, you know, whether it's when it comes to investing money and kind of putting your eggs into different baskets and things like that, a lot of people kind of have this perception, oh man, every income stream that I create is going to require me to work so much harder for me to do so many more things. And one of the biggest things that I've kind of learned over the years is A, delegating is amazing. You can't be Superman and do everything, even though you want to. And as long as you can figure out you know, what your strengths are, what your weaknesses are, and the things you don't like to do, and plug in people for those things, that'll not only keep you sane, but it'll keep your investments kind of safe and secure. And uh, like a good example I'll give for that is you know, like a couple years ago, I recently got into like rental properties. And so you know, when you get into that, you know, you've got obviously renters, and you've got to manage them and their needs and collecting rent and any issues and stuff like that that may come up. And initially, I thought I was going to be Superman and I was going to do all of it. And quickly, I found out, A, I didn't really know what I was doing. And B, it was just a lot of work and time that was taking away from, you know, my real revenue generating stuff. And so like the best decision I ever made was hiring like a property management company to literally go in there and do all this stuff. And sure, I'm making a little bit less off my investment, 
but everything is just being handled so much greater and I'm able to scale and grow. And so that's probably the biggest piece of advice I'd give to people is oftentimes when they invest their money and they're looking for yields and returns and stuff like that, they kind of become shy to hire people to help manage those things. But I think it's a great thing and it'll allow you to not only create more income streams, but keep your sanity. Awesome. I love that. You know, as an apartment investor myself, I have no interest in dealing with tenants, toilets, termites, and trash and all the other crap that you have to deal with when you own rental properties. That's why I invest in large deals where we use third-party property management and they handle all that stuff and we just collect the cash flow. So absolutely spending some money, hiring the right people and working smarter, not harder. That's all great advice. So thanks again for joining us today. To everyone listening, thank you for tuning in. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, iTunes, wherever you like. And if you're enjoying the show, bring someone in, invite someone that you know in your life that could use advice and guidance on how to get their multiple streams of income and their passive wealth generation going. Thanks for joining us. Once again, I'm your host, Taylor Lote, and we'll catch you on the next one. 